Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. All right, as you are getting situated, uh, as we continue walking through the book of 1 John, um, I'm going to throw some words out at you this morning that you may not be familiar with. Some you might be. Uh, one of the words, first word, is one that has divided denominations. It's divided family. It's called caused whole churches to split. Uh, it's the word theology. Now, theology is the study of the nature of God and his attributes. How many of you have heard the word theology before? Yeah, probably heard it used before. Uh, a lot of talk about it. Uh, but under the umbrella of theology, there's a lot of different things. Because you're studying the nature of God, his attributes, his word. And it's what's caused some of the division amongst the body of Christ. Now, another word is Christology. Right? That's the study of Jesus Christ. Especially when you look at him, the study of Christ in the Bible. There's even a term Christophany, uh, which refers to Jesus Christ appearing in the Old Testament before he was born as a baby in the New Testament because he does show up there. It's called the Christophany. And there's also another term, eschatology. And, and that's the study of biblical end-time events. And apparently lots of people have gotten their master degrees in this because they seem to think that this is you know, what we're in because... Things happen in the community or in the culture, it gets bad, you know, a pandemic spreads or whatever, and they're like, oh, we're in the end times, but we're not. And that's why it's important to read the Bible, because there's specific biblical things. There's a difference between things getting bad and biblical end time events, right? So just for the record, we're not in the end times yet. We're in the last days. We've been in the last days since Acts chapter 2, so for about 2,000 years, but we're not in the end times. We're in what Jesus referred to as the birth pangs, things getting bad leading up to the end times. Now, uh, here's another phrase. I'm not sure how many people have heard of this one before. It's called, and I might be butchering the pronunciation, hammer, ham, ham, you can read it, okay? Hemorgiology, I think is how it's pronounced. It's the study of the concept of sin in Christianity and in the Bible, right? Now, it's it's... From a Greek word, I think it's hamartia, which means tragedy or, or, or uh, like bad things happening, and it came to be equated with sin. So from that came this word hamartiology. Now, here's the thing. This is what we're going to talk about this morning, hamartiology and the concept of sin, right? Now, that's a big biblical word. I don't even hear it that often. But the concept of sin itself throughout the Bible. It's one of the foundational principles of why God intercedes in the life of man. And from Genesis all the way to Revelation, sin, 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 nation sinning, people sinning, God's plan of redemption, because we can't get rid of sin on our own. Outside of a biblical context, the word sin and this concept, hammer theology, mean absolutely nothing, right? Because sin specifically refers to that which separates us from God. Now, here's the thing. It's a, it's a deep-rooted thing 
big theological concept. But what I love about 1 John is John takes that big giant concept and breaks it down into just plain old English. He breaks it down to where anyone can understand what he's talking about and this whole concept of sin. He doesn't spend like a whole lot of time to where you feel like, all right, I need to take some vacation and get a degree so I can understand what he's talking about. He just hits it in a couple of verses. Here's what sin is. Here's how we understand it. Here's how we're, we can be set free from it, right? So if you have a Bible, open it up to the book of 1 John chapter 1. Uh, and we talked about last week how John starts by sharing his testimony and how he spent time with touch and resurrected uh, Jesus, spent time with the resurrected Jesus. Then he starts by talking about how that time he spent with God, how it can change us, how it changes us. So uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's one on the table in front of you or under the chair in front of you or behind you. Uh, So in 1 John chapter 1, we went through verses 1 through 4 last week, so I'm going to start in verse 5. This is what he says. He says, this is uh, John writing, the Apostle John. He says, this is the message that we have heard from him, from him being Jesus, and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. And that word he uses for light is, uh, I think it's a Greek word word that literally means phosphorus. It's where we get phosphorus from and uh, the emittance of light. He says, in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live in the truth. Because he's saying you can't have claim to be in the light with God, but yet we're walking in darkness because darkness is, is defined as the absence of light. That's what darkness is. Verse 7, he says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light... We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Now, he's about to dig into and define uh, this concept of sin, right? Two, two different ways of thinking of it. One is sin, a noun, first place of thing, it's a noun that, that all humanity has. We're born with sin. It's, it's just there, and I get a lot of pushback from atheists who say, I don't like a God who claims we have sin doesn't matter whether you like it or not. You still have it. You can ignore it. You still have it. Every person, we have it. But then there's this concept of sin or sinning, that's a verb, when we do things that transgress God's law and his will. So we're all born with sin, this concept of the thing that separates us from God. But then we also, because of our human nature, have a tendency to do things. We sin. We lie, we steep, we chill, we hate all these things that also separate us from God. So he's going to kind of lay into both of these concepts. Right, verse 8, he says this. If we claim to be without sin, the noun, the thing that separates us from God, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, this confess that, yeah, I'm separated from God. I have sin in my life. I I need a Savior. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned 
And most people think he's talking about the verb, and he's not. He's saying if we claim that we have no sin in our life, that we are sinless, right? If that's the claim that we're making, and that's the claim most people say when they don't need a Savior, he says we make him out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. Now, this whole concept of confessing sins has, has had a lot of controversy because uh, from uh, uh, in the early days, the Catholic Church made it a foundational part of salvation. You had to confess your sins uh, to a human being. And it's not that you have to in order to be saved. But the Bible tells us that we should do that in order to help us be better at being Christ followers. And uh, I'm going to walk through a bunch of verses. Stay in First John. So in the book of Leviticus, uh, Moses, or God through Moses, is laying out, hey, here are the things that are sins, that are transgressions, that are when you do these things, you step across the line and separate yourself from me. And as he's laying them out, he's saying some of these things are, peop- are things that people are not even going to be aware that they have done. But he says in verse 5 of Leviticus 5, when anyone becomes aware that they are guilty in any of these matters, they must confess in what they have sinned. They must acknowledge, yeah, hey, you know what? I did wrong, and the thing that I did transgresses God's law. Then you get to the book of Nehemiah, and Nehemiah takes that confession to a whole nother level. So in the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah says, I heard these things, I sat down and wept. The things he heard was the state of the nation of Israel. Without going into a long thing about it, uh, uh, they were in captivity, but some people were allowed to go back and start rebuilding the city, and, and, and they weren't doing it. Uh, and there was a lot of sin and, and corruption going on. And he says, when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. For days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, and pay attention to this, this is really important. He said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. So he's saying, hey, uh, I'm not going to just confess that I have sinned. I'm going to acknowledge to you, God, even though no one else will, I'm going to acknowledge to you that we as a people have transgressed your law, that we have not gotten it right. Now, this actually takes place, uh, I forget, I think somewhere around 450-ish B.C., right? About 50 to 30 years prior to that, even though it comes later, Daniel does the same thing. So Daniel writes, in the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom, in the first year of his reign, he says, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. That's a whole other topic, but I do have to put in a, a plug for this is why it's important to read our Bible. We wouldn't have people who claim to be Christians running out and saying, hey, we're in the end times and, and, and we're in the book of Revelation if they actually read the book. They would know we're not there yet. Right? So he says, I knew that the desolation of Jerusalem, meaning their captivity, uh, would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition and fasting and sackcloth and ashes and pay attention to what he prays because uh, he actually prays this 
before Nehemiah. I think it was like 50 years before Nehemiah. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Lord, the great, awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Same prayer, so we can kind of see where Nehemiah got it from. He says, we have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and your laws. And this is, this is what we, something that we as the people of God, we should, and I hate to say it, but we should get in the habit of doing. Because even though there are congregations that won't do it, even though there are nations that won't do it, we have to acknowledge when we look at everything going on in our world, hey God, we've been wicked, we have rebelled, we've turned away from your commands and your laws. Not just the nation, but the people of God. And you can see it in congregations across the globe that we haven't stuck to what God has called us to. But then he says this, uh, excuse me, you get to the book of Mark and it says this. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now he's talking about individuals come in. Here's how you can be saved and, uh, and, and, and be a part of the kingdom of God. And the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him confessing their sins. And they were baptized by him in the Jordan water. And then James, the brother of Jesus, he writes this. He says that, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And he's not saying confess and pray and you'll be healed. Saying confess your sins to each other. He's also saying, hey, pray for healing for one another. He says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And he's not saying that in order for me to be saved, that I need to come up and I need to say, hey, Kevin, you know, I need to confess my sins to you. What he is saying is it's healthier for me if I can, while I'm having lunch with Gary, say, hey, you know what? I've been struggling with whatever. And it's been weighing down on me. And then hopefully Gary will, you know, not post about it on Facebook, but lean over and say, hey, well, let's pray about that. And how can I help you walk through that, right? So uh, jump back into 1 John and jump down to chapter 2. John continues, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. Now he's talking about the verb, that you will not do things that transgress God's law. But if anybody does sin, the verb, transgress God's law, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. And here's what we need to understand. Whether people acknowledge God exists or not, whether they acknowledge they have sinned or not, they do. All the things that we're seeing in our culture, the hatred, the violence, the killing, uh, the sexism, uh, the racism, uh, uh, the, the, the ignoring, uh, you know, the poor and needy, all of these things are rooted in sin. And here we sit with the answer, and most congregations want to keep it closed into these four doors. That's why what I was talking about earlier, hey, we want to find ministries that help us get the word outside of these doors. We want to find ministries that help us invest in building up God's kingdom. Right? We're not going to worry about how do we get more people into the building. That's God's problem. Our problem is, God, how do we get your word out into our community? That's what we're supposed to focus on. Right? 
So uh, drop down to verse 3. He says, we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Now, here's a question, all right? Pop quiz. And it's okay if you don't like the pop quizzes because we grade on the curve. So uh, pop quiz, and we've talked about this last week. We've talked about this multiple times. Just like sin is throughout the Bible, so is this concept. What do you think the main command from Jesus to his people is? How many people say it was, hey, love one another? Okay, yeah. That, that's the main command over and over. And he even, and we talked about this last week, he says, I give you a new commandment, this is the amplified version, that you should love one another just as I have loved you. So you too should love one another. By this shall all men know that you were my disciples. Not by how many people you can cram into a building. Not by having thousands cram into an amphitheater. Not by how much money you bring in. Not by how many, you know, uh, fundraisers you have but only by the way that you love one another if you keep on showing love amongst yourselves. And we talked about how, hey, there's lots of ways to show love, but when you spend time with people, that's one of the most visible ways to show love. That's why my family thought I was in a cult. It's because I was spending so much time with people who were just loving on me. But uh, so many of us, we end up running into a problem because we find it difficult to do God's command to love others because we're still struggling with all the hurt and the baggage and the sins, right? That's why John said, I write this to you so that you don't have to go through that. Now here, let me give you a visible example of this, all right? So what ends up happening is that so many people don't let go of the sin, right? Even those who say, hey, I just committed my life to Christ. Because we all have sin. For some, it's bigger. For some, it's smaller. And uh, I'm using an Amazon box because everyone gets different things in an Amazon box. And uh, James, the brother of Jesus, actually said, hey, every sin is different for people. Some people are gravitate to one thing and another based on what they're tempted by. And what tempts some people may not tempt other people. Right? So some people might be tempted to, to spend more money than they have on things on Amazon. I'm in that bracket. Right? So not good use of finances. Other people might be tempted to different things. Some people are tempted uh, to, to alcohol. And the person who's tempted to alcohol might look at me and say, why would you waste your money on ridiculous like t-shirts and stuff like that? And then the person like me who wastes some money in t-shirts, stuff like that, I might look at the person who's addicted to the meth or cocaine and say, why would, you, why would you even bother with that? And they look at the person who's addicted to heroin and say, how can you put a needle in your veins? That's ridiculous. But everyone has their own temptation of what draws them to the sin that we initially carry around, but that Jesus died to set us free from. But what James says is that most of us were tempted to go back. Because when we commit our lives to Christ, he takes that burden from us. I no longer have to carry it around, right? I'm set free from it. But what James says is even though a new spirit has been put in me uh, by what Jesus did on the cross, I have a new spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. So my spirit has been transformed. 
My mind, it's kind of in the process of being transformed as I spend more time with God uh, in his word and with the people of God. But I have the exact same body. And that's not going to change until, you know, we go to be with Jesus. So I have a new spirit. My mind is still in the process of being transformed. But I have the same body. And guess what? That same body has the same temptations it always had. And there's this ongoing struggle between my body that wants to pick back up this burden and carry it around again because no one does the sins that are are harmful or hateful. Whatever sin we're engaged in, we do it because we like it. And so my body wants to go back and pick this up, but my spirit is saying, hey, Floyd, you know what? Focus on Jesus. Love other people. Spend time with them. And here, Paul talks about this. So let me walk through this quickly. Paul talks about this, right, in the book of Romans. uh, And many of you guys are familiar with this passage. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. He says, I don't understand what I do. Because I want to do this. I want to do the God-honoring things. I want to love people. I want to love my wife. I want to be a good steward of my finances. I don't want to hate on people that are different than me. I don't want to curse people out. I don't want to post mean things on Facebook. He said, that's the thing that I want to do, but that thing I hate, that sinful stuff, I keep coming back to this. And then he says this. He says, as it is, it is no longer I who do it, but it's the sin living in me. And James said, hey, uh, when we give birth to, To sin, it leads to death because we're tempted and we tend to give in to it. We tend to play around with it and we draw closer to it. And then when we do, we're back in that sinful state. I'm back carrying a burden that Christ died to set me free from, right? And then he says this, he says, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature, for I have desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. So I want to do the good things. I want to serve people. I don't want to hate on people that are different, but I don't end up doing that. He says this, he says, for I do not do the good I want to do. I don't do the good things, but the evil, this we keep coming back to. We keep coming back to the hateful things, the harmful things, the sinful things, the things that even though we may enjoy them, they are not good for us and they separate us from God And he says this, now if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but it's the sin living in me that does it. And he's not making the excuse saying, hey, sorry, it doesn't matter if I just cursed you out or if I hit your car and ran or if I did this or did that. I'm sorry, it's just sin. He's just stating a fact that we have to acknowledge that, yeah, we need to stop giving into that temptation. And he says, what a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death. How can we stop those temptations that keep coming? How can we stop those things that keep pulling us towards the thing that hurt us and cause us to hurt other people, sometimes the people we love? And he gives the answer. He says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he makes a statement, I myself, in my mind... I'm a slave to God's law. And my sinful nature, I'm still a slave to sin. My nature, my body still wants to do this stuff. But in my mind, 
I'm full-on committed to Christ. And every time that my body wants to go back and pick up this burden, I have to, in my mind, say, hey, you know what? I don't need to carry that around. I don't have to carry that around. And Jesus died to set me free from that burden. And it is not worth my time to go back and pick up something that Jesus has set us free from. So I'm going to ask you guys to stand. And as the band comes up, I want to pray. Because there may be people now, and no one yell at me for tossing this box. (laughs) There may be people now that are still struggling with, and if not here, uh, uh, we know of people in our family and our friends that, yeah, we call ourselves Christian. We try to do the God-honoring thing, but we're still struggling with maybe the way that we treat our family members. Maybe it's the way that we treat other people. Maybe it's the way that we look at people who are different than us. Maybe it's the way that, that, that we talk to people whom we should be talking to and sharing and showing the love of Christ. Maybe it is a physical or a drug addiction. Uh, Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's anger. Whatever it is. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. God, we pray that you would allow us to acknowledge that you have set us free. That you have taken that burden of sin from us. That you've given us a spirit that is able to overcome every temptation that we're faced with. And that you died so that we don't have to give in to those temptations. You set us free from sin. And we pray that we walk in that freedom every single day. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Just remain standing for a minute. Because even though we've been talking about people dealing with sins, uh, I just want to pray for those people who deal with that issue where they don't even see the value in themselves. Because there's a lot of people who feel like they're not worthy. They feel like they don't look good enough and they don't measure up. And they feel like they just are not able uh, to to measure up to the standards that our culture puts out today. So God, I want to lift up those people who feel like they can't be all that you've created them to be. But I pray that you would speak to them today and just share with them that that you died so that they could fully be all who you created them to be. That through the power of your Holy Spirit, that they are more than enough. That you love them just as they are. That they don't need to change anything to come to you, but you're willing to accept them just as they are. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I pray that you guys have an awesome rest of your Sunday. God bless and see everyone next week. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you did, please leave a comment on our webpage, crossroadsofjeffersonhills.com or our Facebook page. You can also join our Sunday celebration every Sunday at 1037 a.m. We look forward to hearing from you online or in person. Thank you and God bless.